0: Welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me this afternoon, Nicole Davis. How are you?
1: Um in a better mood than expected.
0: it's not as this wasn't as painful i think i can throw that out there at the very top usually you did this to us weeks are a unique form of torture uh david luzader how are you
2: oh i'm i'm doing well just ready to talk about uh robert downey jr and you know whisper mumble my way through the entire episode so you know speaking a completely different volume than everybody else at all times exposure to Johnson. I thought he was like this at school. Lean in, lean in. I'm saying something interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the, Can you do um, the Welsh
1: accent, though?
2: (laughs) I mean, can he?
1: No. So.
0: The plan? uh, Suppose we do need one. Well, the Queen's on Hope is a cure that's never been tested from a tree that's never been seen on an island that's never been found. Sounds ridiculous, saying it out loud. But regardless of that, we have no choice but to embark on this perilous journey to obtain the fruit of the Eden Tree. Subtitles are helpful in this one. They really, truly are. I didn't i didn't know half of the animals' names until I put the subtitles on. Um, in any case, though, uh, this week was You Did This To Us, which is you, the audience, you have the opportunity to vote on what we watch. And you voted, and this one came close several times, several weeks in a row, and has finally come up as the winner. We watched 2020's Doolittle. Not to be confused with Dr. Doolittle, the Eddie Murphy film, or I believe there's actually an original Doolittle from like the 60s, right?
1: Yeah, Rex Harrison.
0: Okay. Um, No, we got the RDJ one from 2020. Uh, But before we talk about this movie, next week is a fresh cycle and it's going to be a new to two from David, a film that neither myself nor Nicole have ever seen before. David, what are we watching next week?
2: So we're watching something weird, something that I've, I'm not saying it's it's necessarily a good movie, but I think it's an interesting movie and will give us a lot to talk about, and that is Repo, the Genetic Opera.
0: This looks like it's going to be right up my alley. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> uh, what? Out of c- just curiosity, I know this is for next week's episode, but how do you know about this movie? Because I had never even heard of this. Boy,
2: I, I've... I think it was coming out. I forget the year that it came out, but I feel like it was at the time that I was like way more just aware of what was coming out and what was happening, and just like kind of into weirder stuff in general, and just like was right <laughs> on my radar back then.
1: And isn't it? Is Paris Hilton in it? Am I? Paris yes. Hilton is in it. Yes, and
2: also. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It just, it somehow got on my radar just because of like, this looks weird and different and I'm interested. I'm in college. So those things <laughs> I think make a movie good, uh, which is not always I do here. It's quite weird. It is. Oh, it is. <laughs>
0: Alrighty, righty. Well, next week, check that out. But this week, it is Doolittle. Uh, Dr. John Doolittle, in mourning for his late wife, has withdrawn from humanity to live on the grounds of his royal nature preserve with his animal friends. But when the queen's health is in danger, Doolittle must journey to find her cure or risk losing his friend's home. Uh, this So it came out last year, came out during, oh no, right before COVID. So this is actually one of the That's really sad that this might have been people's last experience in the theaters before a pandemic. Uh, (laughs) but
1: (laughs) I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire as one of my last.
2: I saw Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I don't even think I remember what my last one was. All righty. So, Doolittle, none of us had seen this before. It was available on HBO to stream, but because Nicole no longer had HBO, she was thrilled to purchase it.
1: I paid $9 and 99 cents for this movie. And I want everybody who voted for this to send me a dollar to pay me back for this.
0: It's only fair. But you're, you're saying you're not going to rewatch it. There's no rewatchability here for you.
1: Maybe if I have grand dogs someday, I'll show it to them. But (laughs) other than that, I can't imagine I'm going to watch this again.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember the Doolittle of my childhood, which was like Eddie Murphy. But I if I remember correctly, they used real animals, because yes, there was that whole thing where like, Eddie Murphy was was trained on how to interact with the bear. And like, I remember the bear was a key part of those movies. And you, you have to wonder what they could have done with real-looking animals in this movie. Because I feel like we're at the uncanny valley point for animal CGI. Agreed. <laughs> and we've seen this a couple times before where it looks so good and your mind is like, wow, that's incredible. They can do that with a computer. But there's something weird and it's something lifeless about it. And you still have that in this movie more so than most, in my opinion.
1: They, I think like, it's the movement.
2: The, the movement is a big part of it because some do some very unnatural movement. Some of it, too, is they're like glossy in a way that yeah. isn't like the way the rest of the world looks. I mean, if they're, like if any of these animals were in a video game, it'd be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This game has phenomenal graphics. But then when you put an actual squirrel next to a real tree or real humans, or when you put like that CGI squirrel next to a real tree or real humans, it's just like, hmm, okay. I know what's not real in this picture. I can spot the difference.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the gorilla, I think, in particularly, the gorilla looks amazing. Yeah. If a gorilla ever made those facial expressions, I think that's exactly what they would look like. But the problem is that gorillas don't, and the animals don't behave in the ways that these animals do. And that's the problem.
0: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. What they should have done, and I will stand by this, is just put Rami Malik in a monkey suit, but you can see his face, <laughs> just human face in a gorilla suit, and like the, just film it that way, and I
0: would be so on.
1: like, So the way cats should have been done.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think the other element as well is that because it is in such a fantastical setting where he, he essentially lives in the intro scene to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, except instead of the reclusive chocolate man that shut himself off from the world, it's the reclusive animal man in a similarly grand estate slash animal kingdom. It's weird that you see like the polar bear with the hat on looks really fake. I think it's, be- I understand the hat. They introduce it in the beginning and it's cutesy, but then there's always this polar bear wearing a beanie and it just looks like it's photoshopped onto his ears and it it looks weird and then you alongside that you have emus and giraffes and because it's so fantastical in the setting you're already drawn out of it a little bit from reality and then when the animals have that glossy sheen it looks even faker
1: all right i do have to give a little bit of credit though particularly for whoever was in charge of doing the rendering and the animating on the ostrich because it actually kind of does look like Kamal Nanjani. Like they put the eyebrows in somehow
0: <laughs> right over
1: the eyes. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That actually kind of does remind me of him, even though it looks exactly like Nostrich, just looks like, an ostrich with, <laughs> you know, big
2: eyebrows. It, well, <laughs> it also doesn't help that when they talk, uh, not just because they're talking, but because the way they're talking, especially aforementioned polar bear voiced by John Cena, who is calling everybody Bro the entire movie i'm unavailable (laughs) ah unavailable for the man who changed your life Go to save the queen bro i am not your bro
0: okay so we've opened up a can of worms into both of my main discussion topics i'm I'm happy i I get to bitch now for a little bit um (laughs) okay first what have i done firstly what is the dialect spectrum of this movie you have And I'm not even talking about the accents yet. We'll get to that separately. I'm talking about the fact that RDJ is still trying to do something like vaguely whimsical and Victorian, all while you have Craig Robinson just being normal 2020 Craig Robinson as a squirrel. I bought a front row seat to crazy town. And then you have a a polar bear calling people bro. Nothing jives. Like (laughs) There's no cohesiveness in the time period in which any of them are talking. And it's so weird. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean you've got Emma Thompson as the eloquent parrot, but that's about the extent of it in terms of seeming like it fits in with the Victorian world in any way.
2: So, I mean one one that fits, like fits in a way that makes sense is Marion Couillard as a, as a fox because she's a stone cold fox as
0: I suppose <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've run out of traps, but not courage, fly and be free. Oh, And that actually leads into my second most frustrating quip in this movie, is that as I look down the IMDb cast, I think when you have movies that cast voice actors as animals, it is so utterly important that their inflection and their tone and their style of their voice aligns reasonably within the ballpark of what you might expect from that animal. You know, you want someone who is doing a bear like Yoshi the bear in this, the polar bear, John Cena's playing him. I don't think John Cena's voice works at all. It's not really deep. It he's calling people bro. He doesn't seem like a bear to me. Similarly, I don't understand Rami Malik as Chi Chi. He doesn't he doesn't sound to me like what an ape might sound like and i feel like they missed the mark on that in so many ways and then every once in a while they get it right like ray fines does a great barry the
1: oh my god he's so good because it's ray Fines. But like
0: like barry the tiger is fantastic tom holland works as a dog as like as like a really excited Mm. little puppy like you said nicole uh camille Nanjani works really well as the ostrich or the emu and then you just have the ones that don't work as well and there's a lot of them
2: I think, look at a movie also like Zootopia, because I think Zootopia is kind of what you're talking about here, where we have this certain idea in our head of like, oh yeah, an animal that has this kind of look is going to talk like this. Like all the sloths talk super slow. And right. and like the real Weasley characters have Alan Tudyk doing a great Weasley voice. So it really works with this image they're setting forth where you're right, where it's so inconsistent. Of Some people seem to have actually gotten direction of, okay, Tom, you're playing an excited dog. And others were just... And uh sure you're just you're voicing a monkey whatever you think, think that sounds like
0: go right it's
1: counting on the audience to know what the voice actor looks like
0: yeah yeah
1: if you're stopping and saying oh john cena as a polar bear i totally get that but because you're not Seeing his face, you're only getting the voice. Yes, I agree that the voice by itself doesn't work, but it's you're picturing John Cena in your head, so it's this big, beefy guy. So I'm like, oh, yeah, a big, beefy guy fits with polar bear. Yeah, that works. <laughs> right. Whatever. It's an American animal. He's got an American <laughs> accent. Okay.
0: <laughs> I, I think part of it as well is, like, is just quite frankly, and, and this is not really a slant toward people on the cast, but this is not a cast that is incredibly well-known for their voice acting. You have someone like Ray Fiennes, who I actually don't know if he's done a lot of previous voice acting, but maybe it's just because he's such a good actor. He's able to just embody that character. Like I actually had to look it up because I wasn't totally sure who the tiger was. And that was so cool. And then it's just John Cena's being John Cena. And as much as I absolutely love Craig Robinson, he's just being Craig Robinson. Like you said, he's not getting direction to be a squirrel. In fact, I would actually... I never fully understood the direction they went with with the squirrel. He has some really funny dialogue. Like, it's some of the best in the movie.
1: He's coming to finish the job! He won't rest till I'm dead! He's obsessed! Yeah, he does. But I'd love it if he talked a little faster, maybe.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I just feel like that that stuff's kind of missing from this movie. And in movies like Zootopia, you just get that a little bit more harnessed in. I don't understand why we need Selena Gomez as a giraffe. <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's like yeah, whatever, I was just like what?
0: Whatever a giraffe is supposed to sound like, I didn't really think it was that. And also, her vo- her speaking voice is not recognizable enough for me to be like, oh, that's Selena Gomez. Maybe I'm just right. old. I don't know.
1: Get a, an actual professional voice actor in that case, someone who specializes in doing voice acting instead of getting Selena Gomez whose voice. Was not identifiable in any way by me. I had to go look it up on IMDb.
2: And then you have Will Arnett has like one line. He's enlisted with uh, what is he? Will Ar- Will Arnett is the rabbit in the prison.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. the rabbit in the prison is pretty good.
2: Somebody who knows how to do great things with his voice, and you give him, you give him one line. Though I do, yeah. <laughs> I do have to give praise to Jason Mrazukis
1: because oh yeah. <laughs> Being Jason Manzucas, but know. it worked.
2: It worked yeah. so well for that character. And I I laughed a lot. Like when he was knocking on the door, being like, we got the book, we got the book. And Robert Downey Jr. opens it up. It's like, uh, just kidding,
0: tricked you. He's the kid's dead. Bye. And then flies away. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> we got the journal. Open up. Oh, just kidding. He blew it. Bye. Oh, dear.
0: Right. And this is, this is James it, the Dragonfly.
2: Yeah, it's it worked. It it got me. At least that one did. But the the movie talking about like the direction or lack thereof from all accounts was a mess behind the scenes where the director did no pre-production on certain things like planning on where the animals were going to be in the room. And they were just like, we'll just figure it out on the day of, meaning Robert Downey Jr. standing on set. And the guy's like, ah, look over there. That's where the monkey's going to (laughs) be.
0: It makes so much sense. I don't want to interrupt you because you, you did a lot more research on this with the actual directing. And I want to hear more about it. But I do want to point out that there's a scene in which he's getting up out of a stupor and he pulls himself forward. And the... And he runs into the ape and the ape puts its paws out and like holds him up and like pushes him back upright. And it just looks like Robert Downey Jr. is just leaning forward and then leaning backward. There was no design in which to tell him that this was exactly what the ape would even be doing. And even more so, the CGI was so unreal looking that it just looked like there wasn't even contact between skin and CGI. It was just lifting him.
1: So are you saying that this wasn't even storyboarded?
2: So
0: here, I'll read a
2: little bit of what the the person who posted all this said. He said, It was deep in production hell last year. They started filming scenes before they even planned where the animals were would be standing. And then the director went and got fired, which was a little too late, as from his insane bur- outburst and subsequent banning from stepping into both the lead concept department and the lead pre-visual animation department. So... He was apparently just very tyrannical, very unprepared in every single way, and got fired halfway through. And also, his dog was apparently racist.
0: Oh, no. This is Stephen Gagan. Stephen Gagan. Gagan, most most familiar for Syriana Traffic and Gold.
1: Oh, the original Traffic. Okay. The British.
2: He said that at one point he was literally insane, almost put a fist through a new AK TV because the talking goose wasn't on screen while it was talking in one shot, even though he asked the week before for us to move the goose out of the shot.
1: So (laughs) do you know who picked up the directing afterward?
2: I think it was Jonathan Leapsman and Chris McKay. We're kind of brought in as a tag team effort.
0: My goodness. Yeah. It says the dog is described as a quote, stone cold racist that would track down every human in the building with even the slightest drop of ethnic ancestry and bark.
1: Wow. (laughs) That's something you got to train your dog to do.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh no.
2: Imagine then that's the, that's the scene that's set up. This guy was basically like, okay, we have a script, whatever. We'll just shoot it. Then, without doing all the preparation that he needed to do, gets in it, it's going terribly, he gets fired. Two other people have to come in now with no planning, picking up this guy's mess, and have to try to put together a a cohesive movie. And I will say, they could have done a worse job.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, for all of this movie's flaws, and I'm sure we will get into more of them, I was fully... 100% 100% prepared to hate this movie because mm-hmm. I had heard mm-hmm. nothing but bad things about it and I didn't hate it <laughs> I didn't I didn't I, hate it
2: I didn't like it that much I don't think I'll be watching it again no. but I didn't like <laughs> I didn't want to tear my clothes off and run yelling into the street after some of the pictures <laughs> we've gotten for, uh, for you did this to us have made me want to do
0: yeah let, let, let's dive into some of our discussion topics that we have because I, I like you guys This is certainly one of the more least offensive uh, uh, picks for You Did This To Us. This is not...
1: More least offensive?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. It's not as bad. Leaster (laughs) offensive. Exactly. Uh, So as we've all learned from Up, a a love story ending with a dead spouse is really the best kickoff to a children's movie. Now, I'll stand by Up. Up is an amazing movie. Mm -hmm. It's weird here. It's really weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Up is, I mean, it's Pixar, which nearly always says a lot about what the movie is going to be. It means that it's going to be designed to appeal to kids without talking down to them. It's going to be mm-hmm. designed to appeal to adults without always flying over the heads of the kids as well. But yeah, so I mean that the bittersweet, Love story at the beginning of Up, it gives you a big sad as the movie starts, but it gives you kind of literally nowhere to go but up with the movie. Everything after that's going to be happier. You're going to have a good time. This movie, you're coming to see silly talking animals. Right. And here you are. This woman went off on an adventure and died. (laughs) Yeah. And And we never get to meet her, really.
2: (laughs) Yes, but also, did anybody think she was going to be alive at the end of the movie? That she was going to be on the island?
1: 100%, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. They were setting that up so clearly, and it didn't happen. Right, and they do a lot of that. One of my least favorite things in like lost romances in film, where... There's just long lingering shots of them standing in an idyllic field where he looks 10 times better than he currently looks. And it's just the golden sunshine shines down upon them as they touch each other's faces. And that's what he just lingers on in his head every half hour in the movie. And uh, it's just cheap. There's no reason for it. It's just bad writing.
1: Yeah. And RDJ looks rough in this yeah. movie and he never stops looking rough. It's not like when he goes on his adventure and he comes alive again that he suddenly looks much better. He's still just like, is he is he okay?
0: <laughs> it, within like seconds of this movie starting, I turned over to Claire and I was like, We're totally going to have a scene where these animals all give him a haircut. That's going to happen. <laughs>
2: it kind of does.
0: And it, it totally does. Yeah. But It's, I mean, I guess it's as good of a haircut as you're going to get from animals. So I suppose props (laughs) for that, but they never tidy that up. He always looks disheveled.
2: They do a Disney princess thing early on, even while he's still long beard, kind of disheveled and and really crazy looking where they're putting his robe on for him and tying it like they're so they're making it seem he has the ability for the animals to do these things for him. I just thought that was really weird that he's like, Yes, come to me, my animals. Put my robe upon me. And <laughs> then and then instead of having a real chess set, mice put on hats and and dance for
0: us upon the stage. The chess is pretty good yeah. though. It's the cute. Pretty-
1: the mouse chess is adorable.
0: <laughs> and that's I will the give thing. It that is I feel like throughout our discussion, there are moments, we've already had a couple, where we turn and say, that was pretty cute. That was pretty good. And yeah. but the pieces are, are kind of there, but they never fully align. This had the potential, especially with a budget that it
1: must have had, this had the potential to be delightful. And it just isn't. Well, <laughs> And that makes me sad.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's also because... It's so clearly a kid's movie. But, okay, so $175 million is the budget, by the way. Were you
1: expecting this to be anything but a kid's movie? Here's
2: the thing. They don't fully treat it like a kid's movie. They wanted this movie to be a big box office. Everybody sees it and loves it. With a budget of $175 million, it's not listed as a kid's movie anywhere. It's listed as like a fantasy adventure film, which I know is typically more like kid-oriented. But they clearly wanted this to be everybody is going to watch this and we're all going to go like, oh my gosh, it's that voice. Oh my gosh, it's Tony Banderas. Ah, we're all having a, a rollicking good time. And if if it had really leaned into being a kid's movie and had a budget of under $100 million to allow the creative energies to focus on that, I think it could have been a lot better. So I'm agreeing with you, Nicole. I'm just saying it doesn't try to be a kid's movie at every turn. It tries to be something yeah. for everyone.
0: Yeah, you're right. It does try to have... I mean, one thing I didn't expect from a Dr. Doolittle movie is so little doctoring.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Like, like,
0: it is like a, like a rollicking adventure through the high seas and pirate town. Whereas like uh, the Dr. Doolittle, again, of my childhood with Eddie Murphy was like him being a doctor and you don't get a ton of that in this movie. No. Well, except for, except for when he's pulling stuff out of a dragon's butt. Yeah. I yep. you, just yeah. I can't go there we'll yet. I'm going to ignore that entirely.
1: <laughs> no, but there's the three set pieces. There's that. There's the opening surgery on the squirrel, and then there's the sudden psychiatric session with the insecure tiger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes,
1: and that's pretty much it. Do
0: you guys also feel like? And, and I'll give I'll give any children's movie a ton of leeway, but just the the story. Makes no sense. <laughs> like, if you really sit down and think about it, I understand. that So the Queen of England gets poisoned because I don't even know the character's name, but the actor, uh, what's his name?
1: Jim Broadbent.
0: Yeah, Jim Broadbent is, is, is here to become king, even though that's not, not how that would work if the Queen well, of England died.
2: I don't think he's trying to become king. He's just trying to get rid of her.
0: Okay, he's trying to get rid of her. But then you have... Robert Downey Jr. just like floating in saying, oh, we can cure her with a magical fruit that may or may not exist on an island that may or may not exist. And we just so happen to know this is the only thing that will cure the exact thing that has caused this issue. And and maybe I'm just being harsh on a children's movie, but it's so weird.
2: Well, and then everybody is allowing the testimony of a stick bug to be brought into official proceedings at the end.
0: (laughs) I buy that more than the more than the the enchanted tree juice or whatever it was called. What was the tree was the called? Like
2: tree of Eden,
0: the Garden of Eden. Oh, the tree of Eden. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, does Jim Broadbent even want to be there? <laughs> you put that in our discussion topics, Nicole.
1: Yeah that that was my question. <laughs>
2: well, he only he only appears in one room. Yeah, you know he yep. did all of his stuff in one day, right? Yeah. And also, Michael Sheen, vastly underused yeah oh my
1: goodness he's trying so hard I mean he is just gnawing the scenery down around him he is chewing on it so hard and I mean he knows he's in a children's movie so he knows he has to be an over the top villain very clearly the villain very -ha ha, you know kind of guy and so he's going for it why not you
0: know you saved me I have a second chance to live a life of, of kindness and, and, and generosity. And Take him, not me! I'm a good person now! Yeah,
2: he wants to, right. but still, he's not given enough to really make an impact at any point.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love Michael Sheen. I think you guys are, are totally right. Like, he understands the kind of movie he's in. He understands... His dialect doesn't randomly change, <laughs> and and it, like, it seems to align mostly with what they're going for with him. He's great. I mean, we never get that mustache yeah. twirl as you put it in her docket, Nicole. And there's so many cool things they could have done with him.
1: Yeah, it's the only thing he doesn't do is actually twirl his mustache. I was waiting
0: for <laughs> right. it.
1: But I mean, I'm with you. I love Michael Sheen. I think he's a fantastic actor, and I'll watch just about anything that he's in, mm-hmm. including that underworld movie. So <laughs> I love Underworld.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to bring that to the show at some point. So Antonio Banderas is also here. Um, Antonio's Bandit Island opening summer of 2023. Mm, Antonio. he He's okay. So, first of all, Nicole uh, Nicolas Cage was the one who turned down this role, allowing it to go to Antonio Banderas. Good. That would have been worse. Uh, Because it would have been too much. It would have been too much.
1: Yeah, it would have been too much.
0: (laughs) And I feel like Antonio Banderas is is just like one of the highlights of this movie that really works for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He is a star. It's very clear. He's got the charisma. I mean, we have to assume then that Dr. Doolittle's wife was significantly younger in him because Antonio Banderas is either the same age or like only slightly older than Robert Downey Jr. And he's playing the father of his wife. But I mean, he's got the, the gravitas for it without bringing the whole movie down. Right. You really feel like he's a father who's lost his cherished daughter and he's always blamed this guy. And from the information that he has, why not? And you know, he makes it believable without dragging the whole movie down. Yeah. It doesn't make the movie depressing for him to talk about his daughter. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. He's also somebody though, that didn't have to be there for very long, probably like a two day (laughs) shoot. So with how crazy this was, you know, imagine by the time he came on, there's probably a better energy on set or he got to bring some energy, some fun and be like, all right, peace. I'm out of here.
1: Yeah. He's like charming bandit King. Right.
0: Uh, I, I do With Skyliner,
1: which is always a plus, you know. So, right. Hey.
0: <laughs> I do love, and I suppose this movie you don't really want to include inside of this echelon, but uh, like kind of the more recent renaissance of Antonio Banderas moving from I feel like in like when I grew up with Antonio Banderas movies, I was growing up with Spy Kids and Zorro, and now he's moved on to stuff like Pain and Glory. You know, the laundromat was great, I thought. I know some people didn't like it. He just had some really good stuff lately, and he has some really good stuff in the works as well. He's going to be in that Uncharted movie with Tom um, Holland. Tom Holland.
2: Also in this movie.
0: <laughs> I remembered his name earlier in the episode. Yeah, I was uh, going to say,
2: you actually said his name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I just, I really like that. He's such a good actor, and I'm so happy he's getting kind of new and interesting roles. And I'm, I mean, he's good in this. He doesn't, like you said, he doesn't bring it down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad he gets to have. I don't know if you'd call it the meatiest part in this movie, but <laughs> he's, like, you know, he's actually did like uh, he makes it seem much more natural than what everybody else is doing.
0: Right? How little do we care about Stubbins, just as an
2: <laughs> so little
0: poor little <laughs> Stubbins. I've watched this movie in the last couple of days. I, I can't even picture this kid's face anymore because he's just generic child actor stand-in number one. Nothing about Stubbins is remarkable about either his character, his involvement in the movie. He's written in incre- incredibly cliche fashion as the the, oh, yeah. in, the child that will teach Robert Downey Jr. to love humans again. Sorry, Harry Collette. I'm sure you'll be great when you get older, maybe, but it was so so bland.
1: He was fine. It's just, it's a crap part. It's <laughs>
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. He's he's just there. I mean, his desire, like Doolittle, is like to help the animals. But there's something like even as weird as Robert Downey Jr. is, he's at least whimsical and trying to do something really weird and different. And like some of Johnny Depp's roles, you can appreciate the effort doesn't always work but you're like you know what you're still iconic a bit in that way not saying rdj is here but he's trying more so he? <laughs> i mean look at he, least had to keep up that making that accent even if it wasn't very good or believed.
0: i mean did they have to adr that accent i know you questioned that as well nicole because at certain times in the movie he's just kind of muttering into space and it almost seems like it's barely even aligning with what he's saying eddie redmayne in um <laughs> jupiter ascending jupiter ascending yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he is kind of he's doing this whispery Welsh-ish accent and I don't I I don't get this choice.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I have I to don't. wonder.
1: And because I think it's because he's doing it in that whispery sort of way, it makes the whole role much lower energy even when he's trying to be manic. Right. And something about it just absolutely does not work. And it does seem like it's not synced up properly. I think it it seems like it was all done in post-production.
0: And that's where I get the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory vibes, is that you have this really was supposed to be a whimsical and eccentric character. And you have this young boy that comes in that's supposed to do away with their cynicism of the world. and And I just feel like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory does it better. <laughs> and and I think to your point, David, like our last Charlie and Chocolate Factory was Johnny Depp. And before that, we had actors that took that whimsy in unique ways. And I feel like RDJ... Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. And I feel like they took that whimsy in unique and fun ways. And then RDJ doesn't with this. I I, I kind of see what, he, what he's trying to do, though. I, it, it just doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying it's working. Oh, no, not not at all. But... I don't you really have to wonder who was in charge on the set cuz I get the strong feeling nobody really wants. it sounds like no one.
0: <laughs> so another quote here from that from that writer or cast me- no sorry, crew member that came in and wrote a pretty scathing reddit thread about their horrible time on this. Someone said, no wonder they had to bring in the Lego Batman director to rewrite it and then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles director to reshoot it. And he said, we were long gone before another writer came on board, thanks to Gagan's apparent hatred of all things pre-production. So I can't attest to the state of things right now, but man, if it's even remotely watchable, then the new guys deserve some medals. <laughs> because that was, of course, during the mess.
1: It is remotely watchable. I would say that. I'd say, yeah, you, know, you wanna watch this with some six year old, great. They'll have a great time.
2: Yeah. If my nieces and nephews want to watch a movie they hadn't seen before, okay, throw this on. And even like they're gonna laugh at the stuff that I rolled my eyes at, and that would make it more enjoyable in general. But I am never gonna be like, Oh, what am I in the mood for tonight? Hmm. <laughs> do little.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, Especially with a dragon showing up at the end. I cannot tell you how hard I tapped out of this movie, that just the minuscule amount of effort I was putting into watching this evaporated into dust the moment a dragon showed up.
1: I'm okay with the dragon being there. It's what they do with it that's the problem.
0: (laughs) It's a constipated dragon that has too much armor up its butt. You have a severe impaction of the colon, and if it don't manually fragment it, it'll go septic. You won't be able to protect anything
1: anymore. Hmm? that
2: sounds like some tummy ache. Yes, at least they telegraphed it beforehand. At least we knew it was coming. Not the constipated part, but (laughs) they're like, oh, John Doodle has written a report on dragons, and look at his crayon drawings. He's so crazy. Oh, what? Dragons are real? And, And then it's... I don't want to say it. I don't <laughs> want to. And then
1: it's it's curing a, a sick dragon by pulling armor out of its butthole.
2: And, and some bagpipes. That's the climax
1: of the movie. And, and then, some
2: bagpipes. And then... Because uh, hilarious. There's a fart. There's an extended <laughs> fart that is both yeah. auditory and visual.
0: Yeah, How how does a scene, I really have to wonder, I understand that when you're in your element making a movie, there are going to be bad decisions that are made that you just don't realize are bad in the moment. And maybe you just go with it. How can multiple people be involved in making that decision for that to be the climax of this movie. And for RDJ, a dude who has been on the top of the world for the last decade and change with Marvel, come in and not be like, I'm not filming this. We're not doing the scene this way. Because it is the most insane ending to a movie.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they shoot it like it's a birth almost yep. you don't see anything you see it from like, the head end of things
0: one last push madam if you please <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. they treat it like it's a birth and like sh- she's trying to squeeze something out not to be gross and he's pulling on his end to try to get it out and it's I can tell you as someone who has both given birth and pooped not the same thing <laughs> 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 they are not equivalent in any way <laughs>
0: we've, got, we've got a t-shirt here folks also <laughs> he's he's a—he's uh, covered in dragon shit in the last couple of minutes of this movie is, wait, and is he no, he's not touches the kid. There's like there's like brown stuff on his face. I think he's just dirty that- from being thrown around.
2: Yeah, I thought it
1: was from being thrown around the cage.
0: I- oh, okay, whatever. I don't know. He he touches his own face though. Like he touches his own face when he gets excited about finding the Eden tree. I'm like, you are just like like elbow deep in a dragon. <laughs> Can we not
1: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even have the cowbirth gloves on or anything, It's just bare hands. <laughs>
0: just... oh my God! this is just, oh my God, the dragon makes me hate this movie. It makes me go from being entirely indifferent to just actively hating
1: who, it. <laughs> who did this? <laughs>
0: Also, why? Like what is the added benefit in the story of there being a dragon? It's big why and not get excite- a lion's
1: paw thing? Why not have the dragon have a knight's sword stuck in her back foot or something and she can't get it out?
0: Sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Great <Right>. question. <sighs>
1: So, yeah, so this is where the movie loses everyone. And I think this is why critics hated it so much, because this is almost the last thing you're left with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a denouement yeah. after it. There's the whole confrontation in the Queen's Chamber thing after it, which you could also call the climax of the movie, but not really, because it's not that exciting.
2: Yeah, but, by, the, uh, by, by then you've just, you've lost all energy then, for it.
1: Yeah, by then you've just written it off already. Just like oh okay, right. That's what it's gonna be.
0: It's also longer than it has any right to be. And I say that even though it's only a hundred a hundred and forty minutes, I feel like there's still twenty minutes of this movie that could have been cut. No, no, no,
1: no, no. It's an hour and forty minutes. It feels 100, like a hundred forty minutes, but it's only. I'm sorry. An hour I'm and 40 sorry. Minutes.
0: <laughs> what i meant an hour and 40 minutes uh it still feels like there's 20 minutes of, of mm-hmm. excess here
2: it takes a long time for the plot to start before like the real plot is introduced you don't learn until well, we're close to a half hour in that oh we have to go on this journey to get this fruit it's like okay well you've got right. an hour to do it like you have an hour to do the whole movie now
1: You got to pack in the whimsy at the beginning, right? David, you got to go very slowly throughout Dr. Doolittle's house to see all the different animals. And I mean, okay, kudos for the gag about having the two monkeys next to the typewriters. I got that. I was like, I see what you did there, you know. But I'm guessing that was just the animators,
0: right? That was just someone having fun,
1: right? (laughs) So
0: Clearly wasn't directed.
1: (laughs) Super slow, super slow introduction to Lady Rose, who is
2: okay. She's fine. Whatever are you doing up there? I've come from Buckingham Palace on urgent business. Can you tell me if this is the home of John Doolittle? Who are you? You may call me Lady Rose. And you are... It's very
1: difficult when children are asked to be royal in a movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they're asked to be able to boss around the adults around them. Mm. It just doesn't, certainly not in our time and place today. It is very weird to see a kid doing that. And it, you're just like, yeah, okay. And <sighs> just doesn't, that whole thing right. doesn't quite scan it doesn't quite work you don't know who she is you never find out who she actually is. presumably she's victoria's daughter i guess no i think she's Probably? just
2: her, i think she's just her lady in waiting is she, is she? Uh, she said a maid of honor to the queen and tommy's friend and love interest is what i am is what uh wikipedia says
1: but she's too young i don't know Lady in Waiting was like a a thing you had to work your way up to. She should have been like in the down in the scullery peeling potatoes at her age.
2: You're asking <laughs> me a lot of questions about. <laughs> I'm just not ready to answer about this movie.
1: Okay, sorry, sorry. Got to go. You know, go go back and yeah, watch some period dramas or something. But yeah, so I mean, the the whole. Uh, uh, <sighs> the whole thing where it wraps up in the queen's bedchamber just doesn't work. And they're trying to make it too manic with a queen that's almost dead. And as guardy as the Royal guards are supposed to be, are they really going to take on a gorilla and a polar bear? Are they really going to just jump right in there without any hesitation or saying, you know, maybe we should go get the halberds before we take these guys on. Right. (laughs) something that's on long on the end of a stick that we can poke at them with.
2: Get some distance between us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Uh, I'm quibbling with talking bears here. You know, it's a, it's a fairy tale. It's just, it's, it's quite, yeah.
0: Quite. Yeah. And and one thing I, I want to call out here and and I know I mentioned this earlier, but I I really want to hone in on why I think this, the core of this is so broken beyond Technology or voice acting or anything. And that is, you look at the synopsis of Dr. Doolittle, 1967. After the animal communicating veteran goes too far from his clientele, he and his friends must escape their hometown in search of a snail. Sure, it's all about like an animal, he's Mm -hmm. searching for an animal, whatever. I've actually never seen that. That actually sounds super interesting. Eddie Murphy, a doctor, a regular doctor, discovers he can communicate with animals. Dr. Doolittle, too. He must save a bear's life. These are the synopsis of these movies, and it's all centered around him <laughs> being an animal doctor. And I just, I think that is what's so broken about this movie, is that he's trying to save a human. He's not really helping any animals that often in the movie. And you have to wonder that if a movie like Eddie Murphy is just him wandering around Wisconsin with a bear, it was a third of the budget, and much more effective at conveying what the point of this character is.
1: Like I said, my biggest problem with this is just how low energy Robert Downey Jr. seems to be for me throughout this movie. Even when he's seemingly trying to be manic, it doesn't, it doesn't fly. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't feel like he's really all that excited about things and, and or worried or he doesn't seem invested in any of it. Just like not any of it. And then, It makes me sad. It makes me sad because I know he can do better than this. And it makes me feel like he's too old for this part. Like this part was written for a more energetic dude.
0: Why not do the Sherlock Holmes thing? Like, why not just kind of recycle that? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he was Sherlock Holmes in the last decade, and and I, I don't love those movies, but he brings a lo- his, way his, more to his that. style of charisma and, and energy to them, way more. I don't know why he couldn't just kind of transplant that. It's even in the same era. Yeah, yeah. He's a little sleepy here. Um, but we did all laugh yeah. a couple times. Why don't we call out maybe like our favorite gag each? Um, Nicole, what about you?
1: uh favorite egg is the mouse chest thing where one of them bonks the other on the head with a little scepter and it's because they're wearing helmets they're protected so it's fine because everybody you know everyone's okay and it's Mm -hmm. it's
0: cute (laughs) yep that's a good one uh what about you david
2: i really liked the dragonfly i mentioned him before lots of anzukas's lines cracked me up uh because it's Mantzoukas. Uh, but I also really liked when they thought they had missed the boat and the fox says, all right, it's time to change our identities. Let's ditch the kid in the river. Start new lives. <laughs> okay, boss, what's our next move?
1: We catch our losses, change our identities, ditch the kid in the river. Whoa, 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 easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I really, I, I'll mention it a third time here because I think it's the only scene of the movie I think works exactly the way it should is uh, Ray finds as yes. Barry the tiger. All I hear day after day oh, Barry, you're such a disappointment. Why can't you be more like your brother? He eats poachers for a living, you know. Yes, mother, I know. The whole jungle knows. <laughs> oh, my god who is a previous patient of, of Doolittle's before he moved off this Island with his wife, who seems to suffer not only from terrible migraines, but they're brought on by uh, crippling anxiety and self-worth issues um, that (laughs) result. uh,
1: Oh my God. Maybe, maybe he actually, maybe as like his failed psychiatric patient, he actually killed Dr. Doolittle earlier and he's dead the whole time. What? And the kid not only can talk to animals, he what? can see he sees dead people.
0: Makes
1: sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Better movie, uh, but I just I love <laughs>
1: Seventh Sense. The seventh one is talking to aunt, being able to tell yeah. what animals are saying.
0: <laughs> I love Ray yeah. Fiennes in this role. It's funny. I love how they're just unpacking this therapy session while he's trying to eat him it's cute it works it's good it's him being kind of doctory which i, I again is my perkle point on this movie again it's not the worst thing you guys have done to us no directed toward no. the audience it's it, it,
1: didn't hate it didn't try harder
0: try <laughs> harder
1: <laughs> no stop <laughs> don't challenge them
0: all righty. Well, let's remind the audience one more time what we are watching next week for New to Two, David.
2: Repo, the genetic opera.
0: All right. Be sure to check that out if you'd like to follow along next week. But let's go around the horn and see where we can find everybody online. Uh, Nicole, what are you up to?
1: I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash movie go
0: podcast. Very good. And what about you, David? Uh, People can find me
2: on the internet under the name Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z, find out what I'm up to.
0: Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show H I at MGR Again, if you'd like to find all these links in just one spot, social.mgrpodcast.com. that'll do it for this cycle. You did this to us is again in five weeks. So be sure to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter, just search movie go round. And that way you can follow along for when the opportunity to vote Arises. But we will see you for the fresh round with New The Two next week.